The Lurking Fear by H.P. Lovecraft Read by John O'Brien Chapter 4 The Horror in the Eyes There can be nothing normal in the mind of one who, knowing what I knew of the horrors of Tempest Mountain, would seek alone for the fear that lurked there that at least two of the fear embodiments were destroyed, formed but a slight guarantee of mental and physical safety in this Acheron of multiform diabolism. Yet, I continued my quest with even greater zeal as events and revelations became more monstrous. When, two days after my frightful crawl through that crypt of the eyes and claw, I learned that a thing had malignly hovered twenty miles away at the same instant the eyes were glaring at me, I experienced virtual convulsions of fright. But that fright was so mixed with wonder and alluring grotesqueness that it was almost a pleasant sensation. Sometimes, in the throes of a nightmare, when unseen powers whirl one over the roofs of strange dead cities toward the grinning chasm of Nis, it is a relief and even a delight to shriek wildly and throw oneself voluntarily along with the hideous vortex of dream doom into whatever bottomless gulf may yawn. And so it was with the walking nightmare of Tempest Mountain. The discovery that two monsters had haunted the spot gave me ultimately a mad craving to plunge into the very earth of the accursed region and with bare hands dig out the death that leered from every inch of the poisonous soil. As soon as possible, I visited the grave of Jan Martinze and dug vainly where I had dug before. Some extensive cave-in had obliterated all trace of the underground passage, while the rain had washed so much earth back into the excavation that I could not tell how deeply I had dug that other day. I likewise made a difficult trip to the distant hamlet where the death creature had been burnt, and was little repaid for my trouble. In the ashes of the fateful cabin I found several bones, but apparently none of the monsters. The squatters said the thing had had only one victim, but in this I judged them inaccurate, since besides the complete skull of a human being, there was another bony fragment which seemed certainly to have belonged to a human skull at some time. Though the rapid drop of the monster had been seen, no one could say just what the creature was like. Those who had glimpsed it called it simply a devil. Examining the great tree where it had lurked, I could discern no distinctive marks. I tried to find some trail into the black forest, but on this occasion could not stand the sight of those morbidly large bowls, or of those vast serpent-like roots that twisted so malevolently before they sank into the earth. My next step was to re-examine with microscopic care the deserted hamlet where death had come most abundantly 
and where Arthur Monroe had seen something he never lived to describe. Though my vain previous searches had been exceedingly minute, I now had new data to test. For my horrible grave crawl convinced me that at least one of the phases of the monstrosity had been an underground creature. This time, on the 14th of November, my quest concerned itself mostly with the slopes of Cone Mountain and Maple Hill, where they overlooked the unfortunate hamlet, and I gave particular attention to the loose earth of the landslide region on the latter eminence. The afternoon of my search brought nothing to light, and dusk came as I stood on Maple Hill, looking down at the hamlet and across the valley to Tempest Mountain. There had been a gorgeous sunset, and now the moon came up, nearly full, and shedding a silver flood over the plain, the distant mountainside, and the curious low mounds that rose here and there. It was a peaceful, Arcadian scene, but knowing what it hid, I hated it. I hated the mocking moon, the hypocritical plain, the festering mountain, and those sinister mounds. Everything seemed to me tainted, with a loathsome contagion, and inspired by a noxious alliance with distorted, hidden powers. Presently, as I gazed abstractedly at the moonlit panorama, my eye became attracted by something singular in the nature and arrangement of a certain topographical element. Without having any exact knowledge of geology, I had from the first been interested in the odd mounds and hummocks of the region. I had noticed that they were pretty widely distributed around Tempest Mountain, though less numerous on the plain than near the hilltop itself, where prehistoric glaciation had doubtless found feebler opposition to its striking and fantastic caprices. Now, in the light of that low moon, which cast long, weird shadows, it struck me, forcibly, that the various points and lines of the mound system had a peculiar relation to the summit of Tempest Mountain. That summit was undeniably a center, from which the lines or rows of points radiated indefinitely and irregularly, as if the unwholesome Martin's mansion had thrown visible tentacles of terror. The idea of such tentacles gave me an unexplained thrill, and I stopped to analyze my reason for believing these mounds, glacial phenomena. The more I analyzed, the less I believed, and against my newly opened mind, there began to beat grotesque and horrible analogies based on superficial aspects and upon my experience beneath the earth. Before I knew it, I was uttering frenzied and disjointed words to myself. My God! Molehills! The damn place must be honeycombed! How many? Th that night at the mansion, they, they took Bennett and Toby first on each side of us. 
Then I was digging frantically into the mound which had stretched nearest me. Digging desperately, shiveringly, but almost jubilantly. Digging and at last shrieking aloud with some unplaced emotion as I came upon a tunnel or burrow just like the one through which I had crawled on the other demoniac night. After that, I recall running, spade in hand. A hideous run across moonlit, mound-marked meadows and through diseased, precipitous abysses of haunted hillside forest. Leaping, screaming, panting, bounding toward the terrible Martinza mansion. I recall digging unreasonably in all parts of the briar-choked cellar. Digging to find the core and center of that malignant universe of mounds. And then I recall how I laughed when I stumbled upon the passageway. The hole at the base of the old chimney, where the thick weeds grew and cast queer shadows in the light of the lone candle I had happened to have with me. What still remained down in that hell hive, lurking and waiting for the thunder to arouse it, I did not know. Two had been killed. Perhaps that had finished it. But there still remained that burning determination to reach the innermost secret of the fear, which I had once more come to deem definite, material, and organic. My indecisive speculation whether to explore the passage alone and immediately with my pocket light, or to try to assemble a band of squatters for the quest, was interrupted after a time by a sudden rush of wind from the outside, which blew out the candle and left me in stark blackness. The moon no longer shone through the chinks and apertures above me, and with a sense of fateful alarm, I heard the sinister and significant rumble of approaching thunder. A confusion of associated ideas possessed my brain, leading me to grope back toward the farthest corner of the cellar. My eyes, however, never turned away from the horrible opening at the base of the chimney, and I began to get glimpses of the crumbling bricks and unhealthy weeds as faint glows of lightning penetrated the weeds outside and illumined the chinks in the upper wall. Every second I was consumed with a mixture of fear and curiosity. What would the storm call forth? Or was there anything left for it to call? Guided by a lightning flash, I settled myself down behind a dense clump of vegetation through which I could see the opening without being seen. If heaven is merciful, it will someday efface from my consciousness the sight that I saw and let me live my last years in peace. I cannot sleep at night now and have to take opiates when it thunders. The thing came abruptly and unannounced. A demon, rat-like scurrying from pits remote and unimaginable. A hellish panting and stifled grunt 
and then from that opening beneath the chimney, a burst of multitudinous and leprous life. A loathsome, night-spawned flood of organic corruption, more devastatingly hideous than the blackest conjurations of mortal madness and morbidity. Seething, stewing, surging, bubbling like serpent slime, it rolled up and out of that yawning hole, spreading like a septic contagion and streaming from the cellar at every point of egress, streaming out to scatter through the accursed midnight forests and strew fear, madness, and death. God knows how many there were. There must have been thousands. To see the stream of them in that faint, intermittent lightning was shocking. When they had thinned out enough to be glimpsed as separate organisms, I saw that they were dwarfed, deformed, hairy devils, or apes. Monstrous and diabolic caricatures of the monkey tribe. They were so hideously silent. There was hardly a squeal when one of the last stragglers turned with the skill of long practice to make a meal in a custom fashion on a weaker companion. Others snapped up what it left and ate with slavering relish. Then, in spite of my days of fright and disgust, my morbid curiosity triumphed. And as the last of the monstrosities oozed up alone from that netherworld of unknown nightmare, I drew my automatic pistol and shot it under cover of the thunder. Shrieking, slithering, torrential shadows of red viscous madness, chasing one another through endless ensanguinated corridors of purple, fulgurous sky. Formless phantasms and kaleidoscopic mutations of a ghoulish remembered scene. Forests of monstrous, overnourished oaks with serpent roots twisting and sucking unnameable juices from an earth verminous with millions of cannibal devils. Mound-like tentacles groping from underground nuclei of polypus perversion. Insane lightning over malignant ivied walls and demon arcades choked with fungus vegetation. Heaven be thanked for the instinct which led me unconscious to places where men dwell, to the peaceful village that slept under the calm stars of clearing skies. I had recovered enough in a week to send to Albany for a gang of men to blow up the Martinsa mansion and the entire top of Tempest Mountain with dynamite, stop up all the discoverable mound burrows and destroy certain overnourished trees whose very existence seemed an insult to sanity. I could sleep a little after they had done this, 
but true rest will never come as long as I remember that nameless secret of the lurking fear. The thing will haunt me, for who can say the extermination is complete and that analogous phenomena do not exist all over the world? Who can, with my knowledge, think of the Earth's unknown caverns without a nightmare dread of future possibilities? I cannot see a well or a subway entrance without shuddering. Why cannot the doctors give me something to make me sleep? Or truly calm my brain when it thunders? What I saw in the glow of the flashlight after I shot the unspeakable straggling object was so simple that almost a minute elapsed before I understood and went delirious. The object was nauseous. A filthy, whitish gorilla thing with sharp yellow fangs and matted fur. It was the ultimate product of mammalian degeneration. The frightful outcome of isolated spawning multiplication, and cannibal nutrition above and below the ground. The embodiment of all the snarling and chaos and grinning veer that lurk behind life. It had looked at me as it died, and its eyes had the same odd quality that marked those other eyes which had stared at me underground and excited cloudy recollections. One eye was blue, the other brown. They were the dissimilar Martin's eyes of the old legends. And I knew in one inundating cataclysm of voiceless horror, what had become of that vanished family. The terrible and thunder-crazed house of Martinza. <laughs>